You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. We've uh, had upwards of 90 financial services and fintech leaders as guests on our show over the past two years. And what our audience consistently tells us they love to hear are the stories about their friends and colleagues in the business, their peer leaders, especially about how they got started, how they overcame challenges, how they developed their strategy, and how they ultimately succeeded. At a recent MMI conference, someone early in their career came up to me after I spoke about retirement and fintech on a panel. I had cited many examples of the history and evolution of our business. I mentioned Frank Campanelli as one of the legends in our business. And Frank, uh, for those who may not know, particularly those who who might be younger, Frank was an early pioneer in the advisory space. He goes back to EF Hutton, which invented managed accounts. Shearson, uh, Lehman, Hutton, all the different names that went along with that, which is now the consulting group of of Morgan Stanley. He headed up the consulting group when it was either Shearson or Smith Barner, maybe both. Of course, now it's uh, Morgan Stanley's consulting group. They're the largest in the industry. And after mentioning Frank's name, this young person looked bewildered when I said Frank Campanelli. He said, who's he? That's when I decided we needed to capture the history, the stories, and the legacy of our of this advisory and fintech business. So we are starting a new semi-regular feature we're calling the Legends of Wealth Tech. So for today's inaugural session of our Legends podcast, we're talking with people who have helped create the business. And I'm very pleased to welcome our guests and my good friends in the business, Noreen Beeman, Lori Hardwick, and Cheryl Nash. Noreen, Lori, and Cheryl, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks, Jack. Great to be here. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having us. All of them have been on the show before. This will be an interesting experiment in four of us talking. I will only ask questions, I promise, or at least I'll try. So I'm so pleased to have the three of you kick off this Legends series. I think uh, we're going to have some fun today, and I think our listeners will learn a few things and have some fun as well. So to start, I'd like to have each of you, if you would, introduce yourselves at a high level. You're well known in the industry, but for those who have somehow missed it, Tell us about your career leading up to what you're doing now. So after the intros, by the way, we'll go back and ask to share about how it all got started way back when and the obstacles you had to overcome to achieve the leadership position that you enjoy and also the esteem that you're held in the industry. So Lori, why don't you lead off, give us your bio, and then we'll hear from Noreen and Cheryl. So Lori, take it away. Great. Of course. So most people know me as group president and co-founder of InvestNet. I was there for 16 years and helped grow that business, of course, with Judd Bergman, Bill Kreger, and Brandon Thomas, Jim Lumberg. It was a great team. We had a great time. Then I went to Pershing. I was COO there. I then tried my hand at back at entrepreneurship at AI Labs, which interestingly, Noreen invested in as part of Brinker, and they were our first client. And then After we sold AI Labs, which was right before, literally a week before COVID, I joined Genstar as a senior advisor to the private equity company. I now serve on five boards in addition to Genstar, three of Genstar companies, which are Orion, Satera, and Serity Partners, which is relatively a new investment for them. And then... I'm chair of Vastwell and of DocuPace, which is very recent. So that's me. Very cool. So let's see, who do we have next? Is it uh, Noreen? 
I'm up. And I think most people would know from my time at Brinker Capital, I spent over 30 years there, started out in public accounting and then moved my way into Brinker and had the opportunity at Brinker to do we were so small when we started, there was eight of us. So I had the opportunity to really do almost every role within the organization and super proud of the team and all that we accomplished there. And then we had the opportunity to merge with Orion and we did that in September of 20. So I was CEO of Brinker at the time. We had the opportunity to really take the next step, which was a merger with Orion, then had 18 months of an opportunity to be a part of a fintech. And I leaned on my partners here, Cheryl and Lori. You know, when you live outside your comfort zone, you need to have people, you know, you can count sure, on to sure. ask some questions when I would call up and say, is this really how it works? And they would be like, yes. So when you're inside the fintech, as opposed to using the fintech is fascinating. And had a wonderful opportunity there, you know, learned a lot in 18 months. And then I had always wanted to go to graduate school. So I moved on from that full-time role. I still have the opportunity as vice chair of Orion and chair of our Destinations Mutual Funds. But I am, I'm a full-time graduate student at NYU right now and working very hard. And what are you studying? Master's is in executive coaching and organizational consulting. Are you teaching it? <laughs> you should be. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm very humbled by the experience of all these smart, amazing. I keep calling them my colleagues. They're like my co-students. They're like, all right, listen, old lady. But it's been a wonderful, humbling experience. And I'm, I'm loving it, which I really am. Great. Good for you. Cheryl, tell us your story. Tell us your book. Sure. So similar to both Lori and Noreen, started my career fourth hire at a little company called Security APL, way back in the 80s, actually. And I've been in fintech and wealth and asset management my entire career. I've actually, just like uh, Lori and Noreen, had you know opportunities to lead and run teams. You know, I really love to focus on clients. I love to solve challenges for clients. And I think all those experiences with what I do really helped shape me, you know, both personally and professionally. Um, but I think what's unique about me is that I've been at the same firm my entire career, although it's been acquired three times and merged once. So just like Noreen said back in, you know, 2020, right after COVID, I was right before COVID, we got sold to a PE firm. And, you know, became a one company PE firm working with Motive Partners, which was really exciting. And then a year later, we merged with InvestCloud, where I'm now the CEO of the financial supermarket at InvestCloud, which I'll get into a little bit later what that means. But I just still love, you know, really being part of this industry, really still running the core platform, which is fondly or some not so fondly known as APL. And it's still one of the biggest and best asset manager and wealth manager platforms in our industry. So I'm a huge fan of all three of these executives and friends, I will say. Uh, they've done enormously good work. They're good people and they're a lot of fun on top of all that and super smart to boot. So each of you has accomplished a great deal. You've enjoyed significant success. I'd like to hear from each of you and describe uh, how you had to navigate because you were real, real pioneers as women executives back when they didn't have those. And here you are, all highly accomplished and significant things. So talk a little bit about that, how you got through it, how you succeeded. I know you do a lot of mentorship to other folks uh, that are coming up behind you. So if you would talk about that a little bit. And Noreen, I think you're going to kick it off this time, right? 
Yes, you know, it's interesting as we think back of all the different career changes over almost a lifetime of this, there weren't a lot of women when Cheryl, Lori, and I started, and especially not in taking on different roles and and responsibilities. But the one thing that I did working at Brinker Capital was step into sales. And I went in actually kicking and screaming. I'm like, you have a CPA with her audit bag working with financial (laughs) advisors in New York City. And I will share that had I not taken that role and not done that job, one, Jack, I don't think we would have met. Sure, um, sure. But, you know, most importantly, I would never have understood the client yeah. the way that was important. I fell in love with financial advisors and that experience. But that was well outside my comfort zone. You know, public speaking, we just did a thing at school where I, you know, I won the public speaking. I am shocked. I am shocked. The amount of training <laughs> that I have had. I mean, these young, you know, wonderful of my co-students, you know, they're like, Noreen, that was so great. I'm like, I have had hundreds of hours of training, (laughs) so I should actually be good at this. Not great, good, but that didn't happen. Um, It happened where, you know, I'll give John Coyne a little shout on this one. He told me I was a terrible public speaker and I was very mad at him, but he was very right. And he's like, but you can get better. He wasn't saying it in a way to me not to do it. So again, stepping outside your comfort zone, Chuck Widger, our founder, forcing that um, sales experience. And I think that's what's important to our next generation coming along. You do need to take chances. You do need to try different things. It doesn't mean you always be successful at them. But without having those experiences, you will not be able to really move along in your career like you need to. I'm very, very thankful that I had that opportunity. I hadn't realized until you just said that, Doreen, and just looking at uh, Cheryl and Lori, you all have significant sales experience and acumen I, and on both sides of it with all of you. Uh, you're really good at that. And I, I happen to be a firm believer, as you all might expect. I just think sales is really important to anyone's career because you have to expose yourself. You have to be vulnerable, all that kind of stuff. And if you do that, you can probably do anything. But Cheryl, why don't you talk a little bit about how you navigated through it all, especially the, what, five, six, 10 name changes? (laughs) Sure. So um, I'd say my success, when I think about where I am today, really was having me go outside of my comfort zone and making sure that when I did that, I understood that I was doing that. But like Noreen, you know, taking chances and kick and scream in some cases, but really take that chance. I'll say my biggest game-changing career success was back in 2011 when I was named president of Fiserv Investment Services. So I was part of the business for, like I said, the fourth hire of the business. We've been at Fiserv, we're a business unit, part of a much bigger organization. And there were, you know, a lot of, before I became president, we had three other presidents named that lasted about a year each. And, you know, at Fiserv, I held, you know, several different roles. I was in sales, I was in service, I was relationship management, I was product, I was strategy. I think in each instance, I was on the team and then I ran the team, which was a big, you know, helped with a big, you know, opportunity there and a more well-rounded perspective. But when I think about when I got that role in 2011, I was interim when I first got the role. The people before me, the men before me were not. As interim, I had to prove myself and I had to work harder than I've ever worked in my life, which I did, but I would not have made it if I didn't have sponsors at Pfizer helping me along the way and championing for me that I didn't even know in the background and saying, she can do this, she's got this. So I will say that even if you get, when you want that role, first off, go for it, fight for it, get help 
and find friends like Lori and Noreen and Jack who can help you. But really, you're not going to, no one's going to be automatically given a title, especially mm-hmm. a woman. And you've got to work for it and you may have more yeah. challenges than ever. But I'm sure glad I said yes to that. And it's really, like I said, helped me get to where I am today. That's great. I love it. Lori, tell us your story. So I have a, a few to point to, but I'll share one with you where, and, and there's a common theme here of kind of, you know, taking some calculated risks and jumping off at certain points. And obviously, as I mentioned before, I left InvestNet. I was the only founder to leave still today. And it, that was really hard. I think that, you know, looking back on it, you know, obviously it was a great offer from Pershing, COO of the whole company. I mean, it was certainly a stretch for me. And they knew it was a stretch. I knew it was a stretch. You know, they were looking for a change agent to come in with a fintech view of the business. And, you know, having that jumping off point and trusting my gut was a really... I will say at this time, brave thing to do. At the time, it was a scary thing to do. But sure, now sure. I look back and say, wow, I was I was brave to do that. And although that did not work out as I expected, and as I look back and reflect, you know, we never go into anything thinking we're not going to succeed. You know, I think that as I look at my friend Cheryl and Noreen, we think we can succeed at everything. And it's a very common thread. And so when that did not work out the way I expected, you know, to be able to go back to my roots and start a new company was, again, another jumping off point that was not comfortable. It was something new. And even now, as I get on new boards, it's not always comfortable and it's something new. But I really do believe that at this point in my career, I am getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, almost to the point of where I seek it out a little bit, maybe more than I should. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so it's, you know, I do think that that's a common theme, though, between the three of us. That's great. So I'm, what I'm hearing from each of you is step out of your comfort zone, take on challenges beyond what you think you might be able to do, work like hell, get smart. Uh, all of you, some of you talked about a little more than others, but each of you is smart about the products and the process and the people and all that kind of stuff. It's really knowing and learning and all that. And I'm thinking of watching our industry evolve. Just did a podcast yesterday with a young woman who's at Halo Investing, super sharp. You know, she's going to be running something someday. She's pretty close to running it now. I'm just so impressed and had the good fortune of many women on our podcast. Same thing. So I love where it's going. And you guys pioneered all that. You were really the originals in my mind. So what pearls of wisdom, what guidance would you offer up to these folks, folks that are sort of next gen, things that they should be mindful of? I, I, I do observe there's a high degree of confidence among the people I'm describing in terms of that. But uh, I, I think when they let their hair down a little bit, they say, well, you know, they're scared too. You know, we all are when we're trying, taking on something new. So sure, when do you kick it off this time? What are pearls of wisdom with the, the current day crop of great young women execs, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd start with find yourself a tribe. Lori, Noreen, and I are so lucky because we actually have leaned on each other a lot. And we all found ourselves, I think, in different times when we needed support and we needed to make sure we were doing the right things and we were leveraging each other. And that has helped me personally get to where I am. I mean, there's been many times that Lori and Noreen, I'm like, I need a call. 
let's get on. And we would get a glass of wine and get on a Zoom call or we'd go meet somewhere and have dinner. So find your friend, right? Find that tribe who's going to support you and really, really, you could be honest with, you can really talk what's happening and not worry that someone's going to, you know, take that out of our little group. But it's been the best thing for me personally. I also think like, you know, the industry today, we still only have about 6% of financial institutions that have women in executive positions, which is really startling, especially for us three who've been promoting that for our entire career. But there's a lot of things that we could be doing, right? We could help encourage gender diversity, which we do. One of the things I think that's important is that what gets measured really gets done. And you should ask that your firms are measuring diversity, just not just gender, but diversity, and that you award and reward those that really take it seriously and do the right things that they need to do to keep women and diverse candidates, not just in the organization, but keep them to help them and grow them. But that's where I would go. I'd say that we have a lot of work to do, but you need to find yourself some really good friends who you can mm-hmm. turn to when you need to. And believe me, you're going to need to, because sure. like you said, sure. Jack, it's not the easiest place to maneuver at all times. So that is my, you know, number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lori? Well, I would just add to that, dovetail off what Cheryl's saying. You know, I don't want that to be perceived as it's always a therapeutic low that we're having because frequently we are just celebrating where the, you know, what they've achieved. And it is hard sometimes to get that group of trusted advisors and friends that you can trust enough to be like, guess what I did? I'm so excited. And, you know, they know and they can, you know, we've all kind of, you know, we've all been women to watch. We've all been in the media. We've gotten many awards and and been very lucky to have done so. But to have someone that you can actually celebrate that with is is fantastic. So as I think about my role in how, you know, new women are coming into the industry and how they're thriving or not, is both by way of helping them with jobs. We all take calls on, you know, where do I go from here? How do I navigate this situation? And, you know, it's a lot of, hey, I've heard this, you know, music before. This is exactly how it ends. And this is what you need to do. But, you know, as I think about my role now, it's really more about trying to make sure we get more female advisors on boards. And there is a nuance to that. Once you're leaving an operating role and getting onto board work, you know, how does that happen? And a lot of females, you know, leaders who've been extremely successful in the C-suite just don't know how to make that pivot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's not only helping the women, but also helping when I see an opening on a board or in a C-suite to really just challenge the firm to always have someone of, you know, that's been a very talented, successful female at the table for consideration. Not that they would always get it, but you got to at least open that door a little bit. So I take that pretty seriously. And I think it's worked out pretty well for where I've been able to be impactful there. That's great. That's great. Noreen, how about you? Kind of dovetailing off of both what Lori and Cheryl said, and I think that having a group of professionals around you, and now we're friends, is really around, again, that learning that you talked about earlier, Jack, like, all right, you know, does that make sense? And thinking through how do we challenge each other with honest conversations? And then when I think of our next generation of female leadership, 
it's important you get P&L experience because one of the commonalities with the three of us is we've all been responsible for a income statement, right? The profit and loss statement. And a lot of times when you think of even for board work or a leadership role, you need to understand the economics of your business. So by understanding those economics, all those other skills you need to bring to the table, you need to be a good connector, you know, care about your people, all of those things. But again, we're running businesses, right? These are not not for profit. So as senior women, as they come along, having an opportunity, and they don't have to be in the accounting department, they need to understand how their business works, Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. it works in the way it does, and how do you drive outcomes, which is all, again, the commonality with the three of us is being responsible for outcomes. And then, you know, I think what's hard sometimes, and we were um, talking a little bit about this as we got together, and, you know, we all three of us have wonderful support systems at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny, my husband um, was overhearing some of the chatter goes kind of nice, you guys are giving some credit to the husbands, you know, but (laughs) we're very, very lucky um, in the sense that each of us has picked a partner that is supportive of the work we do. And all three of us have children. And, and, you know, again, between us, we have there's eight there. And there's, you know, I'm going to share Cheryl's news, but everyone has happy um, things that are going on in the sense that it wasn't easy. And I think, you know, as women and even as our young men are in the industry, it's coming along, work and life are never easy, but you kind of have to flex and do that and not step away. Like, so if you can go part time or you can do it and flexing around your life. So I think, you know, gender bias is real. We can't act like it's not 6%. Is kind of insane. I'm kind of feeling sad about our with that. But we know that there's more to do. And then when you think of that top down from the board, what Lori's doing, and, and Cheryl from inside the organization, you know, me and the board, like it's an opportunity to really make more room at the table. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that the three of us have in common is that we're women that want other women and other professionals to be successful. And we celebrate that. And that is part of our celebrations as well. That's great. Yeah. One of the things that occurred to us as we were talking last night is, you know, with COVID having happened and allowing more remote work, it has really, I think it will see a massive difference of, you know, those females who enter our industry and then fall out because they just can't manage being in the office as much as we were requiring before. In fact, Cheryl and I were like, can you believe how much time we spent away from our families in the office for years and years and years? And it was just, that was the way it was. So I think with this new remote ability to work, we may see more women succeed for longer periods of time. I hope so. One of the things too, that I learned this actually from Noreen is that when you're in your career, There's many different things like we talked about. We all have children. We have very supportive spouses, but there's always things that happen and those things that happen in a point in time. And so you're having babies. That's a point in time that you might need to spend more time with at home than you do at work or not. But I think that's important for women coming up in our industry to realize that it's not forever that all these things that are happening to you personally or professionally is a point in time. And I think that, you know, you'll get through that like the three of us did. And now we look back and say, how the heck did we do all that? But we did. But it, there really is that point in time that you're all going to all these women are going to experience and men, too, as they go through their career. You know, it's interesting. One of the things I find myself doing is I talk to lots of people in our industry. And uh, because there are so many smart young women that 
probably half of who I talk to these days are smart young women, whereas maybe a decade or so ago, it was probably all men. And one of the things that's interesting is I'm I'm not a woman. I can't tell them what to do or how to do it, but I do know talking to people matters. So what I what I try to do is connect them to other women who I'm impressed by, that they should know. Similar to what you guys found each other probably at MMI or some other industry organization. That's probably where you got together and then you kept getting together and you were supporting one another. There were a few, as I recall, way back when women leaders, but there was few and far between. So you kind of had peers to reach out to. And I think that with this next generation of women and also men, same thing. I mean, reach out, connect, talk about the business, celebrate, as Laurie was talking about earlier. Yeah, talk about your issues. But when I, when I have a problem, I, I say, who can I call that might have some good perspective on this issue I'm trying to figure out? Your thoughts on that? Does that, that ring a bell for you all? Yeah, that resonates, definitely. Yes. I mean, Jack, I think the one thing, and I and I might have said this another time, is that not appreciating the network like I have in the last 15 years, like having the ability to pick up the phone and ask a question with people that have similar opportunities or challenges, I think are important. You know, what Lori and Cheryl and I have created is a lot of safe space, but there's also, each of us have relationships that kind of broaden that out with other experiences. So again, that actually makes our network bigger. Because I know that if there's some question I have or re- trying to solve a problem that I, you know, and Lori's like, oh, no, call this person. Cheryl's like, hey, think about it this way. Like, so that's why the importance of, you know, sometimes I used to think some of the network stuff was like, oh, my gosh, do I have to go to another industry meeting? It's not about necessarily speakers, which we all do it and we all appreciate. It is the people you're meeting in the room that become your, I'm going to really date myself, Rolodex. But you need to be able to call on yeah, them, yeah. right? Well, I, I refer to that that exercise as hallway conversations. The, I, I yes. go to industry meetings to have conversations in the hallways. Those are the always yeah. I find the most productive and happenstance and you know, stuff happens that I didn't expect and I can't wait to find out what's yeah. going to come of it. So, One of the funniest stories I have is when Orion acquired, or not acquired, but emerged with Brinker, and Noreen is top of the house uh, on both sides. And she and Cheryl and I are together. And it was the first time we'd been together, I think, since COVID had started. Although we did, you know, Zoom calls all the time. But she was talking and she goes, well, I'm just trying to get used to being in fintech. And I said, you know, <laughs> fintech is a real thing. It doesn't need to be in air quotes. And she <laughs> Okay, so we felt like we'd had massive progress by just having her say fintech without air quotes from that point on. They're like, Noreen, enough already. That's what it's about. I'm like, you know, like I'm used to getting, you know, we were getting paid by assets under management. Like this software as a cert, like seat license. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. It's a lot of work. I mean, I do, I, I have a totally different perspective of the amount of work and think of it from the other side. We always love things customized. Then you're, these two were like, customized? You're breaking the system. Yeah. Don't customize. <laughs> no, no, you'll regret that later. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. When you have to work it around five different ways to Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about where the industry goes from here. Well, I'd love to hear your perspective on uh, the future of our business going forward. What do you see for the industry? What do you see for yourselves? What are you excited about? What are you maybe concerned about? So, Lori, why, why don't you kick it off? Sure. So, you know, from an industry lens, of course, you know, because I spend so much time in the private equity world now, I kind of think about it broadly. 
I do think there's going to be a bit of a pause here with the amount of acquisitions and consolidations we've seen over the last two to three years. Certainly, it's been at record highs. And just given the volatility in the markets and some of the you know capital constraints out there, I think we're going to see a bit of a pause. But then I do think it will come back. IPO market will come back. That fuels all of that, you know, excitement around acquiring new firms. And with that, I do think that, you know, as usual, you know, these firms, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and listening to what client demands are out there, I think we will start to see some wealth management platforms that expand a bit into banking, into not just wealth management and financial planning, but also insurance retirement solutions, even maybe, you know, charitable options that clients can do on one platform. So I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's still incumbent on us as an industry to make things easier at the Mm -hmm. point of contact for advisors and clients to really have the right conversation. And that's where I see it going. And that's where I hope it goes. Great. (laughs) Terrific. Cheryl, how about you? What's your crystal ball say? Sure. Yes. So I'm going to talk in my invest cloud lens, because actually, when you think about being part of Fiserv, where we weren't really strategic to the overall Fiserv vision and strategy around billing and banking and bill payment and all, I think we're, it's exciting now to be part of a company that is really able to reimagine how financial products are bought and sold. So as the CEO of the supermarket, the financial supermarket, very focused on distribution and focused on how we develop a marketplace that takes products that the asset managers have and makes it easy for advisors to find them and to give them to the investors as needed. So it's been interesting as you go through and look at how the process is today and how manual a lot of that process is. And our goal is to digitize that process and really enable, you know, we're calling it commerce opportunities or really enable a whole new way in which advisors actually can look for products and asset managers can sell their products. So that's, you know, where I'd say that my big focus is, and it's all around personalization, which is one of the big key things around our industry. So commerce enablement is key, enabling asset flows, making it easier for advisors to search for products that the investor needs. That's what, from a financial supermarket perspective and what we're doing, it's really digitizing that entire experience and, you know, really coming up with a new way of doing things, which is exciting. That's great. Terrific. Noreen, how about you? And kind of taking those two, what both Lori and Cheryl have said in terms of, you know, here, how we're going to put it together and then how we're going to digitize that, how we're going to connect that advisor to the investor. And I really see the investor as driving the changes that are going to be coming in the sense of what they're looking for. You know, we already know demographically it's changing with more women controlling wealth. Also, the multiple generations in our marketplace, it's kind of crazy. We try to think of even the work environment, there's five generations. And then you're thinking you're serving six generations in terms of wealth management. And even though some of the young ones don't have any money yet, we're seeing our millennials, they're emerging and they're buyers and they have a lot of influence. And so we really have an opportunity and thinking about products and solutions that solve the problems. Essentially, that's what we're trying to do, solve the problems, whether it's for college, it's you know, paying for college or retirement taking care of parents. Like there's a lot of things when you think about money, money has a job to do. And at the end of the day, it's the work of a financial advisor working alongside their client to deliver that. And the work that Lori and Cheryl are doing are helping facilitate 
that, you know, I know at Orion, we're spending a lot of time thinking about how we're connecting our financial planning into the whole ecosystem. Everyone's talked about doing that. It hasn't quite happened yet. You know, like, I know, Jack, what you're doing at Life, you're like, all this stuff still needs to be integrated in a way that becomes seamless for the investor. And that's exciting to me. It's so much fun when you think of what can happen and what is already happening behind the scenes. Um, And now you have to create scale. And then I love what Cheryl's doing in terms of access. That digitization is is so key because we all live our life that way. We want to be where we want to be. And how do we get there? Exciting times. I have a whole bunch of thoughts on what you just said, Noreen, but I will save that for another podcast. So I, I completely agree. Noreen and Cheryl and Lori, thank you for a wonderful conversation. I had high expectations. You've exceeded them by far. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, as we look to wrap up our two final and important questions, the first one is, what's a key takeaway? Normally we ask for three, but since there's three of you, we'll ask for one each. What's a key takeaway from our discussions today? And Cheryl, why don't you kick it off and then Lori, then Noreen? Sure. So I'll start with which my motto has been for a long time is just surround yourself with the best people, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's the team that you're managing, the team that you're leading, the people that you're, your clients that you're selling to always surround yourself with the best people and people who have different experiences than you. So you can, like we've been talking about, you can lean on them when you need to, you can celebrate with them. But I think that's one of my What's I when I look back and think about how I've been able to do what I've been able to do, you know, that's been really what's worked for me. Said another way, you surround yourself with love is by that's observation. true, too. yes, you do, yes. you do, you do, that's right, in all the right ways. So, who's next? Is that uh, Lori? Did we are you next on this one? Sure, I can go next. So, I would say, you know, the resounding message I'd like to leave behind is just be brave, you know, trust your instinct, be brave. You know, I had someone tell me just a couple months ago, they said, you know, you wrote your own story. You know, you authored your own story. You didn't let anybody else be the author of your story. And I really appreciated that because I think it is true. And, you know, I want to make sure I encourage other women to do that as well. And men. (laughs) All the above. I just underscore it because I know three of you for many, many years and huge fan of each of you individually and certainly collectively, each of you is brave. You have courage. And that's my observation on successful people. They have the perseverance, the guts, call it what you will to to see it through. And you guys demonstrate that always with a laugh and a smile, but (laughs) be careful if you get in the way because it's going to get done. (laughs) It's all the above, right? Noreen, how about you? I was going to say continuous learning because you know, I'm, I'm on this education model. I, I, you know, putting myself out, being brave to go back to graduate school. But I think I would actually like to say be resilient. Um, that's the other thing we had talked. You know, the three again, nothing ever goes perfect. You wish it was right, but you know it doesn't. And so when you may get knocked down, you pick yourself back up, or things change, and that's the benefit of being resilient. And that's life. And I think for leaders, your resiliency helps the rest of your team and inspire other people around you. So I think that you're humble and you're resilient. And I think that that really makes a huge difference. That's great. Cheryl, Lori, and Noreen, it's been a real pleasure, as always, to spend some time with you all. Enjoyed our conversation very, very much. So thank you. And as we do on each of our podcasts, my favorite question, you've answered it in other ways in past podcasts, but uh, what is something that you do outside of work that you were uh, excited about, passionate about, that people might find interesting or surprising? So Lori, kick it off. Well, some people know that I spent 
25, 30 years in Chicago and recently moved to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And as part of that, we now have an oyster garden. We live right on the bay. And that is what we do in our spare time. Although I will tell you that oyster gardening takes about maybe 20 minutes a month to do because you check the basket, you spray them down, you say, good oysters, you look good. And then that's it. But we do a big charity event at the end, actually at the spring each year when they are cultivated and we do an oyster beer night for donations to what's called Inland Bays there in, great. in great. Rehoboth. So Yeah, that's great. But of course you have an oyster farm bed yeah. thing. <laughs> so, uh, Lori, thanks for that uh, primer on oyster farming. Noreen, what do you got? I was trying to think of something fun that I'm doing outside, but I don't really have anything fun like oyster farming. So, Lori, I, I'm very impressed with that. Um, so, you know, I am an avid reader. That's something that a lot of people might know about me, but you may not know that I like to read the end of the book. So I, I do not like any stress in my personal fun time. So I usually will read about 50 to 100 pages, get kind of hooked. Then I read the end and then I finish. But I don't read the end to anything I'm not going to finish. Because I feel like that's cheating. Even if you don't like so the end? Just, if you didn't like the end. No, no. If, I know. If I don't like the book, I won't read the end. But if I do like the book, I read the end. And then I finish the book. But I take the edge off. Because otherwise, I'm up till like all hours of the night. So I have to manage my time. So I do love to read. But I don't like to be surprised. That is hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. Now, what if the, 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 the three of us gave you permission to find out what happened to the book that you don't want to finish? Would you do it? Or you just, it's cheating still? Then I would let you do it. Like, even if you go to a movie and I'm going to go see it anyway, I'd like to know the end. <laughs> like, I just do. And then I like to watch it and enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. That's why I like these streaming things. Cause I can go to the last one. I'm watching Jack Ryan, uh, the new one. And I just watched the last 20 minutes of the end. So now I know. And now I don't have to worry. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> I, I think this fully qualifies as interesting and surprising. So Cheryl, how about you? Well, I don't think mine's as interesting or and surprising as that or oyster farming, but I love to cook. So, and I think over COVID that actually, you know, I got to use those, you do that a lot more than I did in the past. But one of the things I did for my kids at Christmas this year was I made them each a cookbook of all my recipes, my grandmother's recipes, my mom's recipes, and they literally cried when they opened it and um, they take pictures of themselves using it and making things right now. But I am an avid, like when I get stressed out, you'll find me cooking in the kitchen and my husband will be like, Oh my God, we're going to have a big dinner tonight. She must've had a rough day, <laughs> but I literally love to cook. It really is what calms me. And one of my very favorite things to do and have dinner parties and have people over and all that fun stuff. That's great. That's awesome. You know, there's one thing you haven't mentioned. I know it's very important in your life. Uh, don't you have a new member of the family? And I do have a new member. I have a granddaughter. So I uh, had her. the best Christmas ever this year. We had uh, Savannah Ann Nash join us on December 16th. And she's a little angel. So fun. I'm a grandfather of uh, Eleanor Rose, age eight, just turned. And uh, oh. August John, we call him Gus. No. Age five, and they are the bomb. There's nothing better than that. I know that's nothing uh, better. Not, for, awesome. not for me to be raining on your parade about the podcast, but I had to slip it in there. So <laughs> thank you, Jack. I, yeah, I know it's that's been just phenomenal, just a whole different experience. Yes, yes, there's nothing better than being a grandparent. 
I have to say. So that all said, thank you, my friends. This has been wonderful. Really enjoyed our conversation. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we do here at WealthTech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again, Lori, Noreen, and Cheryl. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of WealthTech on Deck our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.